Welcome. You're listening to the Heritage Podcast. To learn more about Heritage, including meeting times and upcoming events, visit us online at www.heritageff.org. Now, let's get into today's podcast. Uh, Psalm 133, if you will, and uh, let's look at this uh, verse of Scripture, and uh, let me give you a few verses. Um, I, I said before that um, if, if uh, uh, when God wants to bless you, He will, uh, and I heard this from a minister, God wants to bless you, He'll send somebody into your life. Uh, if Satan wants to curse you, He'll send somebody into your life. Uh, when God wants to take you further, uh, he'll bring somebody to your life. When Satan wants to distract you and pull you back and have you turn around, he'll bring somebody into your life. So, uh, therefore, it is vitally important. Paul put this statement, and he made a statement, and that is this, is that uh, evil communication will corrupt good manners. Uh, in other words, the word evil communications, meaning that, and that was written to the church. So he said, church, listen close, because even though you're in the church, there are people relate, the word communication is not just vocabulary, it's not just speaking. In order for you to speak to somebody, you've got to be close enough for them to hear you. And you have to be with them for a, a period of time in order to communicate. So evil communication has corrupted good manners. This is very important that we understand this because what, what I mean by that is, is this. Um, most of the time, communication is done two ways. So your friendships matter, relationships matter, family matters. And so we're dealing with great change, produces great exchange. And then also want to state that, also state this, that we're dealing with great friends or great friendships create great change. And that, that'll work both ways. Uh, and, and so, depending on who your friends are, who you consider to be your friends, they are like you in many ways. Uh, otherwise, not just like you, they are like you. Because you don't associate with people that are not like you. You associate with people that like you. And uh, in other words, that they are individuals that are, they do the same things you do. Uh, and, uh, and they like how you are. And if you don't have a friend that will challenge you to change, they're not a real friend. So a friend's got to know the God-given dream on the inside. But I wanted to show this with you because this is so important. We're going to look at some verses of Scripture very, very quickly on this. And that, and that is this uh, Psalm uh, 133, verse 1. And uh, let's look at this because this is very important. Is that uh, in order for the body of Christ to grow, we are we must uh, pull from the company we're in for us to grow for increase in everything that we're doing. Uh, it is true of your personal relationships. It, it's it's true of of every aspect of what we're doing. So the, now listen to Psalm 133, and uh, you'll see this powerful verse of scripture. And uh, we're dealing with friends, and we're dealing with individuals that you know. And uh, notice this verse of Scripture, uh, 133 verse 1 says this. He says, uh, 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 makes the statement, Behold how good and how pleasant, uh, pleasant for brethren to dwell together in unity. No, 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 notice that 133 verse 1 says, Behold how good 
how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. So in other words, the word brethren, not strangers, brethren. They were always commanded, the children of Israel were always commanded, when you go into another land, uh, don't, uh, don't uh, strike hands with them. You know what that basically means? Don't make a covenant with them. Don't engage in covenant with, 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 with them because uh, when you come in uh, into a land and you strike covenant, they have not exited their lifestyle yet. And uh, therefore the gods they serve are not the God you serve. And so they, they've got to serve the God you serve. It's very easy today, and uh, uh, I'm, not, uh, I'm not making this statement for a pro-candidate of any, any side, but it's so easy for people to say uh, um, that I love God. Um, none of them have said, I love Jesus Christ. Because when you mention Jesus Christ, the line's divided. Because we don't know what God you mean. When you say God, uh, uh, there are over uh, over three thousand Buddhas. So, which one of them is is the God they serve? Uh, we have uh, you, you have uh, in in Hindu uh, in the Hindu gods, and uh, you've got Confucius. You've got a variety of so many other things, and, and so. Uh, but when you mention Jesus Christ, all of a sudden you have now created a dividing line. And very few have ever said, I love Jesus Christ. Most of them say, I have, I have my faith. And they talk about the church they attend, which is not scriptural. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the other things not seen. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So the question is, are those in, in the music industry, the rock industry, the, the, uh, uh, every aspect, when they say, I love God, are they hearing words of faith? So in order for you to tell me your friend is a godly friend, they must be able to boldly look in your face and say, Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. And just like He's your Savior, He is my Savior. And just like He purchased my redemption, He purchased your redemption. Just like He shed His blood for you, He shed and be unashamed. The, uh, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord because it is the power of God unto salvation. So just don't tell me you love God. Tell me you love Jesus Christ. Tell me there's power behind your statement. So the scripture said, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to, to dwell together. And you did not live in the same house, but the word dwell means have a companionship together that, that you dwell with each other. I had a, a phone call with a pastor friend. We hadn't talked in a few years, but when he got on the phone, he, he commented, he goes, you know, every time we get on the phone or when we do meet, it's just like picking up where we left off. And I said, because we're of the same company. We're of the same company of faith. And, and, and the last time I talked to you, you were talking Scripture, I call, and we're talking now, and we're talking Scripture, and we can laugh, and it's clean laughter, and it's holy laughter. It's fun. We can have a blast with each other and talk about the greatness of God. And we can also talk about some of the challenges without discouraging one and say, well, if you only had more faith, you wouldn't be talking that way. You see, real friends don't put you down when you're honest with them. 
Amen? And, and so I've been uh, talking to quite a few pastors, so, uh, so they dwell together. With that statement in mind, uh, watch the latter part of verse of Scripture, this, uh, in chapter 3, it says, so they dwell together in unity, chapter 3, latter part, it says, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, uh, uh, even life forevermore. So there is a commanded blessing with the right friendships. There's a commanded blessing. So you choose the right friends, and there's a commanded blessing on that. The blessing that's on them, and they know it, and the blessing on you, and you know it, comes together. And, and so we flow together. So there's a, it's a place of commanded blessing. Uh, go to Genesis chapter 11, verse 6, and let's look at this verse of Scripture. Genesis 11, verse 6, um, and, and, and uh, we're dealing with great change. And great exchange, and and one way to accomplish that would be for you and I uh, to understand that there is, um, a, there must be a, a unity, there must be a cooperation. Now, I want, I'm going to read this to you, and and of course we oftentimes read this verse of scripture uh, uh, very interestingly. But notice that in verse six we realize uh, that that uh, uh, the whole earth, verse one, the whole earth was with one language. And of one speech. That's two different things. Uh, one language, one speech. Every friend of yours should have one language and one speech. And, and what I mean by that is, is that we understand multiple uh, a language, meaning Spanish, I- English, German, French. That's one language. So if we use the language, we're conversing to create speech. Speech is the actual verbs or wordings that you use. Our word, our speech is full of power. It should be full of faith. There shouldn't be doubt and unbelief and, and, uh, and wonderment in our speech. Language is, is a whole different thing. Uh, so we have to realize that. So here they had one language because at this time, uh, and this was not Hebrew, this was not English, this was not German, this was not Spanish. We don't know what language they spoke. But whatever language that they did speak, the speech or what they were saying was identical. How do we know that? Because of what it says. And it came to pass as they, as they uh, journeyed from the east, uh, and they went to the plain of the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. They said, that's their speech, they, they, their speech one to another, go to, let's make brick and burn through, and uh, burn them thoroughly, that they may have had brick for stone, slime they had for motor. They said, go to, let us build a city and a tower, whose uh, top may reach to heaven. And notice what it said, And let us make a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to the sea of the city, and the tower of the children man built. And the, Lord, and the Lord said, Behold, the people is one. Why? Because they're speech. The reason many churches aren't, aren't together, their speech is different. Their speech is different. It doesn't matter if the church you go to only speaks German. If the, the vocabulary is in faith, it doesn't matter if you speak in the same language. It'll still be destructive. It doesn't matter if it's English, Spanish. It doesn't matter what it is. The speech must be the word. The vision. The vision ought to speak. Every member ought to... I think, I think today that, that it has become a, such a, a, a tragic thing as I travel, and I travel quite a bit, and go to several churches... And the disheartening thing to me is that most Christians, I'm not going to have raise your hand, but most Christians can't even name the 12 uh, apostles. 
Most can't name all the books in the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Matthew. They, they can't name them all. They don't know. They don't know the basic tenets of our faith laid out in Scripture, not of your denomination. Not, not of the denomination. So, so if, we're, if we're going to be word-minded people, why, why is it we become distant with the word? Here's the reason. is because we have fallen into a, uh, into a black hole that's simply called love, and we're sucked into it, so all we want is love. I don't. I don't want any change. I just want to be loved, uh, and I want mercy. Mercy, but I don't want to change. And don't give me a friend that'll dare challenge me. So the Bible said in here, "Let, let us build a city." And I, watch this. this; is very important. Jesse taught me something really powerful. We were flying back from Bakersfield, and I asked him a question while he sat on the floor. It opened this verse of Scripture. I, he didn't know that I was teaching on this. But, and behold, the people's one, they have one language, and, they be, and, uh, and this they began, watch this, this they began to do, and nothing shall be restrained from them. Watch this word. I've always looked at, I always looked at this as a, a, a very powerful word, and vision and dream and getting collectively. Remember unity, we're talking about unity. But notice this, they imagined to do. And Jesse asked me a question. And he goes, he goes, Pastor Art, why did they find pyramids in Egypt? Why? I said, because somebody unearthed them and they built. Why did they find a sphinx? I go, because they built. How, why did they find, uh, why, why have they been able to find uh, uh, dinosaurs in the ground? They, they have proof of it. Why? I said, because they existed. They were underground. They found somebody dug them up. He said, True. He goes, how come nobody has ever found the tower? How come? He goes, because in the heart and in the mind of God, what they were saying was so real, it was built. But it was built in their imagination. And he said, if I don't change their language, they'll build it. So you'll never find the ruins of the tower because the only place it was built was in all of them because they all had the same speech. See, we'll never have our own building until we're all talking the same building. We will never, all of us, be, uh, have success and be out of debt until we're not the only ones that want to be out of debt. We want everybody out of debt. We want Our speech should be... Heritage Family Fellowship and the members of Heritage Family Fellowship are all, all of us are out of debt. All of us are debt free. All of us have jobs. All of us have raises. All of us will own homes. All of us will own our own cars. All of us are healthy. All of us are wealthy. It cannot be that just me, that's not speech. I must speak it about myself but it's got to be about everybody. And it just can't be that your pastor wants that for you. You all have to want that for you. And it's got to be so strong that we imagine it and we dream it. Dream that every member, every man, every woman, every child walking into this church, that your children will never... Let me tell you something. Let me, let me help you here. If we just believe God right now, 
for every child that enters our children's department, that in the name of Jesus, if they desire to go to college, God will provide now for the finances so when they go, they'll have no debt and we won't need the government to give it to us free. God will already provide. And the price has already been paid. All right. Thank you. Ah, now I'm on it. So this level of this is this. The accomplishment of corporate, listen to this, corporate goals and visions. The, child, the problem is most people have an individual vision, a, si- a singular goal. It's got to be multiplied. It's got to be out that every one of us, so that if, if we, when you see a brother or sister, you just don't casually nod your head and smile. But you say to yourself, look at the righteousness of God that just came in. The anointed, the appointed, the blessed, the healed, the delivered, the free. It came and I get the privilege of sitting next to them. I don't want to sit five seats away from them. I want to sit right next to their anointing. This is the way it ought to be. So when strangers come in, as we would call them strangers, because they're strangers from alienated from the covenants of promise. That's scripture. We would call them guests. But Scripture calls them alienated from the, from the covenant promise. They're, they're not, uh, they're, and that, that's what we need to do. How are they ever going to get connected to the promise of God if we alienate them from us? So they've got to be connected to us. We've got to, but if we don't love each other, we can't love strangers. So we've, so we've got to walk together. And, and so, uh, so, so corporate goals, corporate goals, and if you. And the way you know a corporate goal and vision is, is get it. Pray for somebody and ask somebody, what's your goal? What's your vision? And then ask them next week, what did you do this week to promote your goal and vision? Make, make them accountable and responsible. Most people don't like to talk because they don't like to be accountable or responsible. You know what the Lord said to me? Uh, uh, what, what did he tell you? Okay, then next week, uh, what did you do this week to fulfill that? Amen. Without judgment, I'm just here to help you. Am I right? You know, in, in AA meetings, they go in, Hi, my name's Art. Hi, Art. It doesn't matter what they say. Then everybody goes, it goes, very good. They support them. There's this, it's called a support system. It's called a support system. How, how we get excited about the gospel is how our support system grows. Thank you for all those looks. I appreciate that. It's, it's awesome. I'm having an awesome time. Uh, I don't have time to get Let me read you Matthew chapter 18, 19. Is this okay? Ah, I haven't even gotten into my notes I want to go into today. Is this okay? Uh, Matthew chapter 18. Uh, and, and I know you know these verses. These are not strange verses uh, to you. They should be verses you know. You should be able to quote them. And run around the house and shout them, and uh, uh, and say it with great gusto. Hey, praise God! Not question it, and not put three or four verse scriptures together, but know it. You should know it through the Amplified version, the Weiss translation, and uh, all the other translations that you have. Amen. And so uh, we ought to be able to do this. But look, but eighteen ver- uh, chapter Matthew eighteen nineteen makes this statement. It, it says this uh, again. I say unto you. Uh, Jesus speaking, red letter edition. I say to you that if if uh, if two of you agree, huh? If two of you just agree, 
And that's just a husband and wife. If two of you agree, if you can't agree with friends, if you can agree to go to a bar, uh, then you, uh, something's wrong. Well, let's just go to a bar where we won't drink. No. I don't, I don't like going to Chili's restaurant and having them sit me in the bar. We have a seat in the bar. I'm not going. I'll sit and wait for a booth or a table. I'm not going to go sit in the bar because people that know me or casually have seen me, you know, I, I was making some uh, flight arrangements for some stuff today on the phone. Joanne was sitting next to me. And uh, so right when we got through finalizing everything, the woman said, she goes, uh, she goes, I'm a Christian too. I didn't say one thing about being a Christian. Not one thing. But my, uh, I'm a gold, lifetime gold card member because over the years, I don't have it now, but since I've been traveling up until now just on one airline, American Airlines, I've traveled over two and a half million miles on that one airline. I'm a lifetime gold. So anytime I call the number, uh, called the gold card, they immediately respond, hello, Mr. Aragon, how are you today? Because I called the gold card number and I called the gold card desk. So it's not a call. So but, but it, my whole record is there. So it's interesting that when I got through, she goes, she goes, I'm a Christian too. I go, well, God bless her so much. She goes, yeah, I know. Your pastor already was on. So how I handled her on the phone was a testimony. Because, Joanne will tell you, three times in our conversation, changing and looking different things, I said, I want to thank you so much for taking so much patience and, and, and taking the time. And uh, you're so professional. Thank you very much. And, uh, for all that you do. And I don't know how often you hear that, but thank you so much. It made her day, and she was happy. She was there, but then at the very end, she goes, I know your pastor. It's written here on the file. <laughs> you don't know what somebody knows about you. So if you sit in the bar while you're waiting for a seat, somebody may snap a picture. Look who's in the bar. You don't know. I, I, I'm your pastor. I'm your pastor. You could. I, that's why when I, I, I like cranberry juice. But cranberry juice comes from the bar. And when they bring it from the bar, they bring it in a shot glass. It's a small glass. So I would say, give it to me in a, in, in a, in a glass that you would put a soft drink in. And, 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 I always, and then put a little bit of Sprite, because then that raises it up and, and makes it look like that. And, uh, of course, when they do that, they put more Sprite than they do cranberry juice but still charge you for the cranberry juice. And so, uh, and, and I always tell people, I go, watch this. And if you order without ice, like I always do, watch this, because Joanne's glass is always to the brim, and it's got more ice. And mine has that much gap, because I don't order any ice. No, no, the world's not giving you nothing. <laughs> it's a socialist drink. So anyway, it, it, it took for me. But, but anyway, uh, in Psalm 18, it makes a statement. Again, I say to you that, that if, if, the, if the two of you shall agree on earth, where are you going to have friends? On earth. <clears throat> so your friendships are on earth. Some of you have friends that you had, and, and, and they were your besties. They were your best of the best of the best of friends. And, and now that you're a little older, you don't know where they're at anymore. You're, you're an over there at. They, but they were your best friends. You wore your hair the same. 
You, you got your, your clothing at the same place, tennis shoes the same, everything was the same. You hung out together the same. You did strange things together the same. You dared each other. You did all kinds of stuff. You did it together. Till you got older, especially if you grew in Christ. If, if you're the same as you were 10 years ago, and you're a Christian, and, you, and, and some of your friends who are carnal, lukewarm, do not feel strange being around you, you're not hot enough. You're not hot enough. No, something's wrong. You've you, you got to grow in Christ. If two of you agree. So there has to be agreement. Can two walk together unless they agree? So, so you can't walk with somebody unless you agree with them. And, and so you, you, we've got to recognize this. So in this verse of Scripture, the power of God moves into a situation to help when two agree. So your friendships either bring the power of God in your midst or, or put a wall up and the power of God doesn't come in the way you want it to be. So once again, uh, old statement, show me your friends, uh, I'll tell you what you think about yourself. Ephesians 4.11, let's look at this. I, I quoted this the other day. I can already tell I probably won't get into all my notes today um, that I would like to. Um, but uh, that's okay. I'm having a blast. Amen. And this was not where I anticipated to go with you tonight. But um, um, see, I believe this. I believe this. That if Christ is working, the anointing, Christ, if the anointing uh, is working in you to form Christ in you, then others around you that are that close that you call friends will notice the transformation. They will notice it, and also they will notice themselves growing as well. They will notice themselves growing. You never got to recognize it. One time Joanne and I were in Oklahoma many, many, many years ago. This was way, this is, I don't even know when exactly this was. Joanne and I walked into a restaurant. We were with some people, and it was at what was known as the Maybe Center. I think it maybe still is. It was at uh, uh, Oral Roberts University, and Billy Joe Daughtry, uh, he used to have his church there. But there was a special meeting being held. We went to the meeting. And uh, uh, thousands of people showed up for that meeting. And, uh, and we went uh, to a restaurant to get something to eat, Joanne and I. And we saw some pastors here from California. And I saw them, and I looked at them, and there was, two, there was a husband and wife sitting on one side. But on the other side, was, there was a pastor there. But I noticed the woman sitting next to him wasn't his wife. And I knew he was married. So I thought to myself, what's going on there? Well, I couldn't let that be done. So I walked over. I said, hey, everybody, how's everybody doing? And how are you doing? And so I shook everybody's hand. I go, I don't know you. Who are you? She goes, oh, I'm his secretary. I go, oh. I go, your wife didn't come? He goes, I couldn't afford to bring her. I go, how did how'd she come? Oh, well, the ministry paid for her. The ministry had to pay for your wife. Instead of paying for your secretary, why did they pay for your secretary and not your wife? Are you going to stay in the same hotel? Uh, well, 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 yeah, the ministry. I don't know. Forget the ministry. Are you guys staying in the same hotel? Yeah. I said, okay. I said, everybody stand up. They all stood up. I said, all right. Uh, I said, sir, I said, uh, Pat, and I, I'm not going to name any names. I said, Pastor, step out of your aisle. Step out, please. Okay. Now, you, ma'am, secretary, come over here and slide in all the way over there. And I said, sweetheart, you, and I said, you stay, sit here. So that was the pastor's wife. Sit right here. And, pa and then you, the pastor, sit over there. 
and you that didn't bring your wife sit on the end. I don't want to make it look like you guys are all together. I said, as far as I'm concerned, you should never be sitting at a restaurant without your wife. And how dare you bring your secretary? And I said, now, if I was you, I'm not you, but if I was you, what I would do is put her on a plane after you eat and send her home. I said, you have no business being here. You, if you're going to be a secretary, you'll eventually become a sexatory. And not on my watch. And I went back with Joanne. You see, that's why I don't have very many friends. That's why I don't have very many friends. I'll call it out. Uh-uh. Uh, no, uh-uh. And, I'll, and Joanne will tell you, I've done this many times. No. No. Uh-uh. And, and I have to do that. Why? I see this so much among pastors. I see it with so many that, that have done this. And I've seen them come in, and i see a pastor come sit with me, and he said, uh, and his wife's depressed and sad. What happened? Well, she, uh, um, ask him. Well, Pastor, I want to know if we could submit ourselves to you and, and, and if I could keep the ministry. But I got my niece pregnant. She's pregnant. And, uh, and the babysitter's pregnant. But, and, and my wife doesn't understand that I made a mistake. I said, that wasn't a mistake. You didn't accidentally fall into bed with your niece. You didn't trip and fall and she got pregnant. How do you, how do you go to bed with your, with your brother's daughter? I said, you little pervert. Give up the ministry. You want me to help you? Quit the ministry. Get in church here. Sit here. Let me help you. Uh, and he goes, no, I don't want to do that. I want my ministry. And he stayed pastoring. And I can name you about eight different times that's happened. See, a friend, a friend will challenge you and tell you. Amen. Now, now, friends don't look for your problems or your flaws. And there's sometimes you can't say something. Sometimes the, the Holy Ghost will, won't let you say something. So you just back away and, uh, and, and, and pray mercy on, on, on individuals, families, and that type of stuff. You, you just got to do that. Uh, but you've but you, but you got to be aware of it. The Spirit of God is working and forming Christ in us. So it says he's forming Christ in us, then everybody should see, man, you're growing. You're growing. And, and this, is, this is a very uh, important aspect of this. So notice this in Ephesians 4.11, it makes a statement. Uh, and, and so um, uh, we'll, we'll see this. And, and uh, uh, because this is unifying. Uh, it says, and he gave some, uh, some pastor, uh, prophets, some pa- evangelists, some pastors and teachers, verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, until we all come in the unity of the faith, uh, and not the unity in natural, but of the faith. And he says, uh, of, uh, and then he makes a reference of this, under the perfect man, under the measure of the stature of the fullness of the anointing. So he makes reference of here that that's why our offices, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, we all, we all, that's why you need one. That's why you need me. To help you stay united and to stay on, on workforce and to stay alert for the kingdom of God. 
That's why I preach how I preach. Amen? God loves you. But he doesn't love everything you do. (laughs) I know you want to hear that. I thought God just loved. No, God doesn't love everything you do. It's amazing how many people say God loves and God doesn't judge. God doesn't judge, but God does correct. Name me one parent who doesn't correct their child. Name one. If you don't correct your children, you don't love them. Spare the child, spare the rod, spoil the child. Train up a child. How are you going to train them? You got to show them over and over again. If they don't get it right, you keep training until they get it right. And, and how many know that a child will get irritated if you keep it up? I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to do that no more. That's the way some people are. They, they don't want to know. And so they want to, but you got to tell, but you got to keep telling them over and over again. Keep doing it. I heard Brent say, I tell Taj, did you use toothpaste? Well, that's what I, he got that from me because I had to teach him. He'd come out and he go, did you brush your teeth? Yes. Toothpaste. Did you use toothpaste? Oh, man. And he'd have to go back in his room and use toothpaste. I took a shower. Did you use soap? <clears throat> well, go back in there and use some soap. Well, now, and then now he had to learn because he's doing that with Taj. Not now, but I, I don't think it's now. But, but he did. Uh, but, but he did. And, and he would do that. And, and, and so, uh, and so but the same thing he's doing with Taj, I have to do with him and, and, and help him. And I, I had to work it out with him. And so this, these were just things you have to work. And it would irritate and frustrate. And, uh, and, and so uh, the, and, and it wasn't like it was an exciting thing to do, to, to correct and to teach. And, and, and I recall that one time he was given by, by a relative uh, uh, a pocket knife. And he accidentally took the pocket knife to school. I told him, give it back and, and get rid of it. You can't have a pocket knife. You see, you've you got to know there's a difference between Joel and Brent, and, uh, with, especially with sharp objects and things like that. There was a big difference. When I bought Brent a BB gun, Joel got so upset. And everything I bought him, he threw on the ground, stood up and just said, how dare you buy him a BB gun? You know I'm the first one he's going to shoot. I'm the target. How could you do this? You know him. You're going to turn your back. Bam, I'm going to get hit. You know that's what's going to happen. And he walked away, went into his room. <coughs> they were totally different. So I told him, you can't have that pocket knife. Give it back. We went, Joanne and I, went uh, to go minister in Guatemala uh, with uh, Jim Zirkel at that time, who was now in heaven. And so we were, and I, get, and I called home, and my brother and my sister-in-law were watching them at our home. They stayed at our home to watch them. And Brent, I could hear him in the background. Is that my dad? Let me talk to him. Let me talk to him. Let me talk to him. He got on the phone. He goes, hi, Dad. How you doing? And he goes, I got in trouble today, and I got expelled. And I accidentally took the knife to school. I didn't mean to. I took it out of my pocket. And, and I took it out of my pocket. Somebody saw I put it back in, and they, they expelled me for three days. Suspended. Suspended. You couldn't go to school for three days. You were expelled. And so Nick called it suspended. Nick called it suspended. You expelled, I mean, you can't go back, but suspended. Okay, suspended. But then he says, but I've already disciplined myself. I'm not going to watch TV for a month. I'm not going to go outside with my friends for a month. And I'm going to wash all my clothes and do all the dishes and mop the floor. And I make my bed. And I'm going to do all these things. I've already disciplined. So when you come home, you don't need to discipline me. Now, I wanted to laugh on the other end that he <laughs> self-imposed all this. I wanted to laugh, but I couldn't laugh. I said, we'll, we'll deal with it when we get home. 
Now, what I did do, the moment I hung up, time difference, I called the school, talked to the principal. And they go, you didn't need to call, sir. And they go, Mr. Aragon, you and Joanne, we, we know you. And we know that it was an accident. And that's what I go, no, that was my son, and he did that. When I come home, we will have a meeting. It's not necessary. It is to me. He needs to know there's consequences. He needs to know this. Now, the, why am I telling you all this based on this verse? Because we need pastors. What he needed was to know his father cares. You need to know that your pastor cares. And you need to know that no matter where I'm at, this is my assignment. He needed to know no matter where I was at, I'm always a father. And this is what a father does. You don't let it go. You can't, even if you impose your own punishment on yourself. He didn't impose that punishment on himself to get himself clear before God. He didn't want to be spanked when I got home and disciplined when I got home. So he dealt with all that. Now, he didn't get spanked. I, didn't, I sat down with him. I thanked him for repenting and telling me what went on. But I had to come home and do that. Why? Because we wanted to keep endeavoring to keep the unity and perfecting of my son or the perfecting of the saints for what? The work of his life or the work of the ministry. My son is my ministry. That's what my sons are. They're my ministry. When you're a parent, your children are your ministry. Are you understanding me? That doesn't make you a full-time minister. You, you just can't, you can't have a child and say, I hand them over to God. No, no, no. God said, you had them. They're your children. All eight of them? All eight of them are yours. If you had six, if you had four, if you had one, doesn't matter. You are the one who had your child. You can't turn them over to God. Now, when they get old enough, all you, then, then, Father, in Jesus' name, I just, I just uh, speak the word over them, speak the blood over them. But when they're children... No, 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 you can't do that. No, you can't do that. You know, that, you, you can't. So the perfecting of the saints. So, so there's, a, there's a, a strengthening and an increase that produces uh, a production or productivity, I should say, in each other's life. Let me say that again. There's a strengthening that comes when you have a pastor. There's a strengthening when you're a friend. There's a strengthening when you're a parent. This is the proper relationship. And, and when? Till we all come in the unity. So that's going to go on till we all come in the unity of the faith. So, so, this, there, there, so it's a strengthening, and there's an increase that takes place. There's an increase. On my life, there's an increase, and, and there would be an increase on my children. There'd be an increase uh, on my wife, on myself, on those around us. There'd be an increase in the church. And, and my goal, goal is for us to all increase. My whole goal is for all of us to increase. I am in no, no, nowhere where I want to be. But I thank God where I'm at. In my spirituality, in my increase, in my prosperity. I thank God where I'm at. I thank God for where I'm at. However, I'm not where I want to be. And so I know there's more. So there's always room for growth. There's always room for growth. So I want to increase. I want to be able to do more, accomplish more. So, uh, and then... The, uh, John 17, 21, let me close it down here. Uh, I spent my whole time on this, and this was only, this was only the introduction. 
So um, isn't that interesting? Uh, John chapter 17, uh, powerful uh, verse of, of Scripture here. I believe you've been in, 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 um, getting something out of this. John chapter 17, let's look at this. Um, um, uh, let's look at um, uh, let's look at verse 19, uh, and and it says this in John chapter 17, verse verse 19. It says, "Now when Jesus knew that they were desirous to ask him, and he said to them, Do you inquire among yourselves of of that I uh, that I said? And a little while, and you shall not see me. And again, a little while, and you shall see me. Verily I say unto you, uh, this is where I wanted you to go in these verses of scripture." Verily I say unto you that you shall weep and lament, but the world, but the world shall rejoice, and you shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned to joy. A woman, when she is in travail, hath sorrow, because her hour is come. But as soon as she's delivered of the child, she remembers no more the anguish for the joy that a man is born into the world, or in other words, child, a man, child, born into the world. And you know, therefore, you you now there there, and you know, now therefore have sorrow. But I but I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and your and your joy, no man taketh from you. Now, in in that's chapter sixteen. Now, in verse seventeen, we read this. I apologize. I meant to say John chapter sixteen, and then to go over seventeen, because I wanted you to see this. And then he said this. Verse 14, I've given them the word, and the world hath hated them. There's where the anguish is, the pain. You're going to run into situations. Listen, you're going to work with a lot of unbelievers. And you're going to work with people that don't know your God, love your God, and uh, they know you're a Christian. They don't want your Bible on the desk. They don't want to hear you read scriptures. We're getting It's getting worse and worse today. The world... Uh, the world is rejoicing over your travail. But Jesus said, the day's coming where you're going to see me. Here's the key. If you and your friends don't see Jesus in Scripture, in your confession, in your lifestyle, then you'll live in travail. You'll live in pain. You'll live like outcasts. See, a lot, there's a lot of Christians that, that, that they have, uh, you, you know, uh, let me let me make this statement. Um, a, a religion and religious people and people that hold to dogmatic traditions that are against people and against the world. And if you look at somebody at the world and yell across the street, you're going to hell. Instead of, we're, come with me, we're going to heaven. Amen? But in order for you to do that, you've got to act like you're going. And you got to know where you're going. There's nothing, nothing worse than getting in a car. Where are you going? I don't know. You don't know. You're just going for a ride. We used to call that joyriding, but nobody knew where they were going. And in most cases, our joyrides ended up being pulled over by police because you were always goofing off and swerving and doing stuff. Now, let me say this to you. Um, it may sound gross, but listen close. Um, 10, 11, 12 dead people does not make a team. It doesn't make a team. They can, you can put them in soccer outfits. 
baseball outfits, football gear. But if they're dead, they can't play. They're not a team. So why, if you're alive, would you want to associate with somebody who's dead and be, make them be a part of your team? Now, reach them, but they can't play on the t field. They're dead. There's some people that make comments. I have more friends in the world than I do in the church. Well, something's wrong with you. Because if your friends are dead, guess what that makes you? Half dead. They may be zombies, but you've been bit. And, and in, in movies, it takes a little while for you to turn into before you go full. And the place you act up is in the body of Christ because you look at your friends in the world and you say, they're so full of life and so full of fun. And then we go to the church, and it is true. There's a lot of people full of religion, full of tradition, and they have no joy. We're supposed to have joy unspeakable, full of glory. I'm happy uh, because Jesus is Lord. It's almost like the song that the, the elf made up. Uh, say, I love you, uh, you're my dad, and I love you. And that's how we do praise and worship. I worship you because uh, you told me to. I want to go to heaven. I love you. Uh, here's my tithe, and here's a side of mine. I pray in tongues. And, and, we do, and we do, instead of this vibrancy, that when we walk in, there's this step. One of the things Rand brought out the other day was about Dr. Summerall, and, and, and we did know him. We had the privilege of knowing him. But he, you couldn't keep up with the man. I mean, I mean, physically, he'd walk so fast. The older he got, the faster he walked. And he would just, he had to, he, he, he moved on purpose. He moved on purpose. Do you know that in his garage, he had a, he'd pull in, and then, on the other end, there was a door that opened up because he hated going in reverse. And he makes the statement, I hate, I hate the fact that cars have reverse. Why go backwards in any part of life? <clears throat> so I fell in love with uh, one of our members, Manuel Silva, who's now in heaven. And, uh, and I, told, I told him that. I said, Dr. Summerall does not like going in reverse at all. <clears throat> so when he remembered that. So he parked his car so that he could move forward and a big truck came and parked in front of him. He couldn't move forward. Dr. Summerall gets in the car with his wife, and they're in the car, and he's now looking at this truck, and I can't go forward. What do I do? So what does Manu do? Start the car, go up the curb, go around the truck. Oh, he's driving on the sidewalk now. <clears throat> Comes down and makes a turn on a one-way street. Now he can't back up, so he's thinking, forget it, I'm going straight. So he went down, and... the Lester Summerall leaning in the front, back like this, and his wife goes, uh, son, excuse me, son, excuse me, young man, young man, young man. And Dr. Summerall goes, leave him alone. I want to see what he does. <laughs> and and so, so Manuel drove down that one-way street, drove around, brought him to the convention center. They got out of the car. He looked at him and goes, what's your name? Because Manuel said so he thought he was in trouble big time. <coughs> He goes, who's your pastor? Pastor Art Aragon. Is he here? Yes, we're running the mystery house. Take me to him now. So they walk over. And they stood there, and he goes, is this your man? Yeah. Does he work for you? Yes, he does, full time. 
You pay him? Yes. All right. I like how he drives. <laughs> so I'm going to be here for two weeks. He is now my full-time driver, and you will pay him. Not me. You will pay him. You understand? And you will pay for his hotel rooms, too. Yes, sir. <laughs> and Daniel's back going, I don't know what happened. <laughs> but that, that was Dr. Summerall. He, was a char- he would charge you. I mean, he would command you. And, and you nobody said, no. He, first time I ever met him, he scared me. Norval Hayes was talking. You know how, Brother Norval Hayes, if you don't know Norval Hayes, was with the Lord, my brother. And the Lord said, and then all of a sudden here, thus saith the Lord. And I look up and this Dr. Lester Summerall on the platform, and he's prophesying. I'm telling you by the power of all my... And he's shaking. And Norval's just sitting there going, hmm. I never met this man. I, I, I got, what is all this? Until I met the man and got to meet him. And, oh, man. And then uh, they said, if you, you could have him speak at your church if you have, if you have enough courage. Oh, we did. And, and we had him several times. And what an honor. But see, you have to have friends like that. You have, to, you have to have friends like that. You have to have friends that will talk to you and share things with you. Um, yeah, I remember Dr. Barkley was flying over California in his plane. And, he, and, and you, know, you know, when you're in the air like that, the people tell you you got to turn your phones off. Not really true, but they make you do it anyway. But when you have your own private plane, you don't have to turn your phones off. You don't have to do it in airlines. Either. It doesn't affect it at all. If it is, how delicate is the plane? Uh, but anyway... Um, uh, Dr. S- Dr. Barkley, ca- uh, I called Dr. Barkley. He answers. He's flying over California. I said, hey, Dr. Barkley. And he had just dealt with some issues, four different cases that morning. He's in the plane. All he says to me, Dr. Ar- Aragon? That's what he always called me, Dr. Aragon. And he goes, if you're about ready to tell me you cheated on your wife, I am going to land this plane, drive to your house, take your your butter knife, castrate you, get back on my plane, and I'm flying home. I said, no, sir. No, sir. No, sir. He goes, well, good. Good. He goes, what do you need? Well, now I don't know if I should talk to you. But see, most people aren't willing to be talked to straight or commanded to live straight. They want friends that stroke them and pet them all under the disguise of love. You masquerade it. Real love corrects. Real love corrects. Not all the time. And real love does not look for faults. Matter of fact, love covers a multitude of sin. But when you need to correct something, real love does that. It will deal with it. And then on the other end, you've got to be mature enough to say, you're right, I apologize. I repent of that. Instead of looking for a way to, yeah, but. If you have to use the word but in it, get your butt out of the way and just <laughs> repent. Amen. Well, this isn't really what I've been, meant to teach tonight. But uh, believe that you got something out of this. Uh, this was not where I was headed. These were just going to be a few. So um, I have my notes all there. But I guess I'll reteach. I'll go all through that on on, uh, on Sunday. We'll see where uh, see what that happens there.
Uh, I love it, man, because you, 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 when you're full, you're just full. And, and, and you can go uh, and you can do this. If you need an envelope for your tithing and giving, you can raise your hands up. These hands are smiling, enthusiastic, smiling, blood washed, blood washed, God possessed. I use that word purposely, God possessed. Aren't you glad you don't have demon possessed people uh, passing out envelopes? That'd be a tragedy. Uh, but anyway, God, <laughs> God possessed ushers. <clears throat> if you need an envelope, they should have one behind you. And so if not, here's the options. You can give by uh, texting uh, to give. You can online give. said, behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to, to dwell together. And you did not live in the same house, but the word dwell means have a companionship together that, that you dwell with each other. I had a, a phone call with a pastor friend. We hadn't talked in a few years, but when he got on the phone, he, he commented, he goes, you know, every time we get on the phone or when we do meet, it's just like picking up where we left off. And I said, because we're of the same company. We're of the same company of faith. And, and the last time I talked to you, you were talking Scripture. I call, and we're talking now, and we're talking Scripture. And we can laugh, and it's clean laughter, and, and it's holy laughter. It's fun. We can have a blast with each other and, and talk about the greatness of God. And we can also talk about some of the challenges without discouraging one. And say, well, if you only had more faith, you wouldn't be talking that way. Right. You see, real friends don't put you down. When, you, when you're honest with them. Amen? And, and so I've been uh, talking to quite a few pastors, so, dwell, so they dwell together. With that statement in mind, uh, watch the latter part of verse of Scripture, this, uh, in chapter 3, it says, so they dwell together in unity, chapter 3, latter part, it says, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, uh, uh, even life forevermore. So there is a commanded blessing with the right friendships. There's a commanded blessing. So you choose the right friends, and there's a commanded blessing on that. The blessing that's on them, and they know it, and the blessing on you, and you know it, comes together. And, and so we flow together. So there's a, there's a place of commanded blessing. Uh, go to Genesis chapter 11, verse 6, and let's look at this verse of Scripture. Genesis 11, verse 6. Um, and and, and uh, we're dealing with great change. And great exchange. And, and one way to accomplish that would be for you and I uh, to understand that there, is, um, a, there must be uh, a unity. There must be a cooperation. Now, I want, I'm going to read this to you. And, and, of course, we oftentimes read this verse of Scripture uh, uh, very interestingly. But notice in, in verse 6, we realize uh, that, that uh, uh, the whole earth, verse 1, the whole earth was with one language. And of one speech. That's two different things. Uh, one language, one speech. Every friend of yours should have one language and one speech. And, and what I mean by that is, is that we understand multiple uh, a language, meaning Spanish, English, German, French. That's one language. So if we use the language, we're conversing to create speech. Speech is the actual verbs or wordings that you use. Our word, our speech is full of power. It should be full of faith. 
there shouldn't be doubt and unbelief and, and, uh, and wonderment in our speech. Language is, is a whole different thing. Uh, so we have to realize that. So here they had one language because at this time, uh, and this was not Hebrew, this was not English, this was not German, this was not Spanish. We don't know what language they spoke. But whatever language that they did speak, the speech or what they were saying was identical. How do we know that? Because of what it says. And it came to pass as they, as they uh, journeyed from the east uh, and they went to the plain of the land of Shinar and they dwelt there. They said, that's their speech. They, they, their speech, one to another, go to, let's make brick and burn through and uh, burn them thoroughly that they may have had brick for stone, slime they had for motor. They said, go to, let us build a city and a tower whose uh, top may reach to heaven. And notice what it said, and let us make a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to the sea, the city, and the tower of the children man built. And the Lord, and the Lord said, behold, the people is one. Why? Because their speech. The reasons many churches aren't, aren't together, their speech is different. Their speech is different. It doesn't matter if the church you go to only speaks German. If the, the vocabulary is in faith, it doesn't matter if you speak in the same language. It'll still be destructive. It doesn't matter if it's English, Spanish. It doesn't matter what it is. The speech must be the word. The vision. The vision ought to speak. Every member ought to... I think, I think today that, that it has become a, such a, a, a tragic thing as I travel, and I travel quite a bit, and go to several churches... And the disheartening thing to me is that most Christians, I'm not going to have you raise your hand, but most Christians can't even name the 12 uh, apostles. Most can't name all the books in the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Matthew. They, they can't name them all. They don't know. They don't know the basic tenets of our faith. Laid out in Scripture. Not of your denomination. Not, not of the denomination. So, so if, we're, if we're going to be word-minded people, why, why is it we become distant with the word? Here's the reason. is because we have fallen into a, uh, into a black hole that's simply called love. And we're sucked into it. So all we want is love. I, I, don't, I don't want any change. I just want to be loved. Uh, and, and I want mercy. Mercy. But I don't want to change. And don't give me a friend that will dare challenge me. So the Bible said in here, let, let us build a city. And I, watch this, this is very important. Jesse taught me something really powerful. We were flying back from Bakersfield and I asked him a question. But he sat on the floor. It, it opened this verse of scripture. I, he didn't know that I was teaching on this. But and behold, the people's one. They have one language. And, they be, and, uh, and this they began. Watch this. This they began to do, and nothing shall be restrained from them. Watch this word. I've always looked at, I always looked at this as a, a, a very powerful word. And vision and dream and getting collectively. Remember unity, we're talking about unity. But notice this, they imagined to do. And Jesse asked me a question. And he goes, he goes Pastor Art, why did they find pyramids in Egypt? Why? I said, because somebody unearthed them and they built. Why did they find a sphinx? I go, because they built... How, why did they find... Uh, why, why have they been able to find uh, 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 dinosaurs in the ground? They, they have proof of it. Why? 
I said, because they existed, they were underground, they found somebody dug them up. He said, true. He goes, how come nobody has ever found the tower? How come? He goes, because in the heart and in the mind of God, what they were saying was so real, it was built. But it was built in their imagination. And he said, if I don't change their language, they'll build it. So you'll never find the ruins of the tower because the only place it was built was in all of them because they all had the same speech. See, we'll never have our own building until we're all talking the same building. We will never, all of us, be, uh, have success and be out of debt until we're not the only ones that want to be out of debt. We want everybody out of debt. We want, our speech should be Heritage Family Fellowship and the members of Heritage Family Fellowship are all, all of us are out of debt. All of us are debt free. All of us have jobs. All of us have raises. All of us will own homes. All of us will own our own cars. All of us are healthy. All of us are wealthy. It cannot be that just me, that's not speech. I must speak it about myself, but it's got to be about everybody. And it just can't be that your pastor wants that for you. You all have to want that for you. And it's got to be so strong that we imagine it and we dream it. Dream that every member, every man, every woman, every child walking into this church, that your children will never... Let let me tell you something. Let, let Let me help you here. If we just believe God right now, for every child that enters our children's department, that in the name of Jesus, if they desire to go to college, God will provide now for the finances so when they go, they'll have no debt and we won't need the government to give it to us free. God will already provide. And the price has already been paid. All right. Thank you. Ah, Now I'm on it. So, this level of this is this. The accomplishment of corporate, listen to this, corporate goals and visions. The the problem is, most people have an individual vision. A a singular goal. It's got to be multiplied. It's got to be out that every one of us, so that if, if when you see a brother or sister, you just don't casually nod your head and smile. But you say to yourself, look at the righteousness of God that just came in. The anointed, the appointed, the blessed, the healed, the delivered, the free. It came and I get the privilege of sitting next to them. I don't want to sit five seats away from them. I want to sit right next to their anointing. This is the way it ought to be. So when strangers come in, as we would call them strangers, because they're strangers from alienated from the covenants of promise. as scripture. We would call them guests. But Scripture calls them alienated from the, from the covenant promise. They're, they're not, uh, they're, and that, that's what we need to do. How are they ever going to get connected to the promise of God if we alienate them from us? So they've got to be connected to us. We've got to, but if we don't love each other, we can't love strangers. So we've, so we've got to walk together. And, and so, uh, so, so corporate goals. 
corporate goals. And if you and the way you know a corporate goal and vision is, is get it. Pray for somebody and ask somebody, what's your goal? What's your vision? And then ask them next week, what did you do this week to promote your goal and vision? Make, make them accountable and responsible. Most people don't like to talk because they don't like to be accountable or responsible. You know what the Lord said to me? Uh, uh, what, what did he tell you? Okay, then next week, uh, what did you do this week to fulfill that? Amen. Without judgment, I'm just here to help you. Am I right? You know, in, in AA meetings, they go in, Hi, my name is Art. Hi, Art. It doesn't matter what they say. Then everybody goes, it goes, very good. They support them. There's this, it's called a support system. It's called a support system. How, how we get excited about the gospel is how our support system grows. Thank you for all those looks. I appreciate that. It's, it's awesome. I'm having an awesome time. Uh, I don't have time to get it. Let me read you Matthew chapter 18, 19. Is this okay? Ah, I haven't even gotten into my notes I want to go into today. Is this okay? Uh, Matthew chapter 18. Uh, and, and I know you know these verses. These are not strange verses uh, to you. They should be verses you know. You should be able to quote them and run around the house and shout them and, uh, uh, and say it with great gusto. Hey, praise God. Not question it and not put three or four verse, scriptures together. But know it. You should know it through the Amplified Version, the Weiss Translation, and uh, all the other translations that you have. Amen. So uh, we ought to be able to do this. But look, but 18, uh, chapter, Matthew 18, 19 makes this statement. It, it says this. Uh, again, I say unto you, uh, Jesus speaking, red letter edition. I say unto you that if, if, uh, if two of you agree. Huh. If two of you just agree, and that's just a husband and wife, if two of you agree, if you can't agree with friends, if you can agree to go to a bar, uh, then you, uh, something's wrong. Well, let's just go to a bar where we won't drink. No. I don't, I don't like going to Chili's restaurant and having them sit me in the bar. We have a seat in the bar, I'm not going. I'll sit and wait for a booth or a table. I'm not going to go sit in a bar because people that know me or casually have seen me, you know, I, I was making some uh, flight arrangements for some stuff today on the phone. Joanne was sitting next to me. And uh, so right when we got through finalizing everything, the woman said, she goes, uh, she goes, I'm a Christian too. I didn't say one thing about being a Christian. Not one thing. But my... Uh, I'm, I'm a gold, lifetime gold card member because over the years, I don't have it now, but since I've been traveling up until now just on one airline, American Airlines, I've traveled over two and a half million miles on that one airline. I'm a lifetime gold. So anytime I call the number, uh, call the gold card, they immediately respond, hello, Mr. Aragon, how are you today? Because I call the gold card number and I call the gold card desk. So that's how I call. So but it, my whole record is there. So it's interesting that when I got this, she goes, she goes, I'm a Christian too. I go, well, God bless you, so am I. She goes, yeah, I know. Your pastor already was gone. So how I handled her on the phone was a testimony. Because, Joanne will tell you, three times in our conversation, changing and looking differently, I said, I want to thank you so much for taking so much patience 
and, and, and taking the time. And uh, you're so professional. Thank you very much for all that you do. And I don't know how often you hear that, but thank you so much. It made her day, and she was happy. She was there, but then at the very end, she goes, I know you're a pastor. It's written here on the file. You don't know what somebody knows about you. So if you sit in the bar while you're waiting for a seat, somebody may snap a picture. Look who's in the bar. You don't know. I, I, I'm your pastor. I'm your pastor. You could, I, that's why when I, I, I like cranberry juice. But cranberry juice comes from the bar. And when they bring it from the bar, they bring it in a shot glass. It's a small glass. So I would say, give it to me in a, in, in a, in a glass that you would put a soft drink in. And, 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 I always, and then put a little bit of Sprite, because then that raises it up and, and makes it look like that. And, uh, of course, when they do that, they put more Sprite than they do cranberry juice, but still charge you for the cranberry juice. And so, uh, and, and I always tell people, I go, watch this. And if you order without ice, like I always do, watch this, because Joanne's glass is always to the brim, and it's got more ice. And mine has that much gap, because I don't order any ice. No, no, the world's not giving you nothing. It's a socialist drink. So anyway, it took for me. But, but anyway, in Psalm 18, it makes a statement. Again, I say to you that, that if, if, the, if the two of you shall agree on earth, where are you going to have friends? On earth. <clears throat> so your friendships are on earth. Some of you have friends that you had, and, and, and they were your besties. They were your best of the best of the best of friends. And, and now that you're a little older, you don't know where they're at anymore. You don't know where they're at. They, but they were your best friends. You wore your hair the same. You, you got your, your clothing at the same place. Tennis the same. Everything was the same. You hung out together the same. You did strange things together the same. You dared each other. You did all kinds of stuff. You did it together. Till you got older, especially if you grew in Christ. If, if you're the same as you were 10 years ago, and you're a Christian, and, you, and, and some of your friends who are carnal, lukewarm, do not feel strange being around you, you're not hot enough. You're not hot enough. No, something's wrong. You've you, you got to grow in Christ. If two of you agree. So there has to be agreement. Can two walk together unless they agree? So, so you can't walk with somebody unless you agree with them. And so you, you, we've got to recognize this. So in this verse of Scripture, the power of God moves into a situation to help when two agree. So your friendships either bring the power of God in your midst or, or put a wall up and the power of God doesn't come in the way you want it to be. So once again, uh, old statement, show me your friends, uh, I'll tell you what you think about yourself. Ephesians 4.11, let's look at this. I, I quoted this the other day. I can already tell I probably won't get into all my notes today um, that I would like to. Um, but uh, that's okay. I'm having a blast. <laughs> Amen. And, and this was not where I anticipated to go with you tonight. But, um, um, see, I believe this. I believe this. That if Christ is working, the anointing, Christ, if the anointing uh, is working in you to form Christ in you, then others around you that are that close that you call friends will notice 
the transformation. They will notice it. And also they will notice themselves growing as well. They will notice themselves growing. You never got to recognize it. One time Joanne and I were in Oklahoma many, many, many years ago. This was way, this is, I don't even know when exactly this was. Joanne and I walked into a restaurant. We were with some people. And it was at what was known as the Maybe Center. I think it maybe still is. It was at uh, uh, Oral Roberts University. And Billy Joe Daltrey, uh, he used to have his church there. But there was a special meeting being held. We went to the meeting. And uh, uh, thousands of people showed up for that meeting. And... Uh, and we went to a restaurant to get something to eat, Joanne and I. And we saw some pastors here from California. And I saw them and I looked at them and there was two, it was a husband and wife sitting on one side. But on the other side was, was a pastor there. But I noticed the woman sitting next to him wasn't his wife. And I knew he's married. So I thought to myself, what's going on there? Well, I couldn't let that be done. So I walked over. I said, hey, everybody, how's everybody doing? And how are you doing? And so I shook everybody's hand. I go, I don't know you. Who are you? She goes, oh, I'm his secretary. I go, oh. I go, your wife didn't come? He goes, I couldn't afford to bring her. I go, how did how'd she come? Oh, well, the ministry paid for her. The ministry had paid for your wife. Instead of paying for your secretary, why did they pay for your secretary and not your wife? Are you going to stay in the same hotel? Uh, well, 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 yeah, the ministry. I don't know. Forget the ministry. Are you going to stay in the same hotel? Yeah. I said, Okay. I said, everybody stand up. So they all stood up. I said, all right. Uh, I said, sir. I said, uh, pa- and I, I'm not going to name any names. I said, pastor, step out of your aisle. Step out, please. Okay. Now, you, ma'am, secretary, come over here and slide in all the way over there. And I said, sweetheart, you, and I said, you st- sit here. So that was the pastor's wife. Sit right here. And, pa- and then you, the pastor, sit over there. And you that didn't bring your wife, sit on the end. I don't want to make it look like you guys are all together. I said, as far as I'm concerned, you should never be sitting at a restaurant without your wife. And how dare you bring your secretary? And I said, now, if I was you, I'm not you, but if I was you, what I would do is put her on a plane after you eat and send her home. I said, you have no business being here. You, if you're going to be a secretary, you'll eventually become a sexitary. And not on my watch. And I went back with Joanne. You see, that's why I don't have very many friends. That's why I don't have very many friends. I'll call it out. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. No, uh-uh. And and Joanne will tell you, I've done this many times. No. No. Uh Uh-uh. And and I have to do that. Why? I see this so much among pastors. I see it with so many that that have done this. And I've seen them come in and I see a pastor come sit with me. And he said, uh, his wife's depressed and sad. What happened? Well, she uh, um, asked him. Well, Pastor, I want to know if we could submit ourselves to you and, and, and if I could keep the ministry. But I got my niece pregnant. She's pregnant. And, uh, and the babysitter's pregnant. But, and, and my wife doesn't understand that I made a mistake. I said, that wasn't a mistake. You didn't accidentally fall into bed with your niece. You didn't trip and fall and she got pregnant. How do you, how do you go to bed with your, with your brother's daughter? I said, you little pervert. Give up the ministry. You want me to help you? Quit the ministry. Get in church here. 
sit here, let me help you. Uh, and he goes, no, I don't want to do that. I want my ministry. And he stayed pastoring. And I can name you about eight different times that's happened. See, a friend, a friend will challenge you and tell you. Amen. Now, now, friends don't look for your problems or your flaws. And there's sometimes you can't say something. Sometimes the Holy Ghost won't let you say something. So you just back away and, uh, and, and pray mercy on, on, on individuals, families, and that type of stuff. You, you just got to do that. Uh, but, but you've but you got to be aware of it. The Spirit of God is working and forming Christ in us. So since he's forming Christ in us, then everybody should see, man, you're growing. You're growing. And, and this, is, this is a very uh, important aspect of this. So notice this in Ephesians 4.11. It makes a statement. Uh, and, and so um, uh, we'll, we'll see this. And, and uh, uh, because this is unifying. Uh, it says, and he gave some... Uh, some pastor, uh, prophets, some pa- evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So we all come in the unity of the faith, uh, and not the unity in natural, but of the faith. And he says, uh, of, uh, and then he makes a reference of this, under the perfect man, under the measure of the stature of the fullness of the anointing. So he makes reference of here that that's why our offices... Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. We all, we all, that's why you need one. That's why you need me. To help you stay united and to stay on, on workforce. And to stay alert for the kingdom of God. That's why I preach how I preach. Amen? Uh, I, I, God loves you. But he doesn't love everything you do. <laughs> I know you want to hear that. I thought God just loved. No, God doesn't love anything you do. It, it's amazing how many people say God loves and God doesn't judge. God doesn't judge, but God does correct. Name me one parent who doesn't correct their child. Name me one. If you don't correct your children, you don't love them. Spare the child, spare the rod, spoil the child. Train up a child. How are you going to train them? You got to show them over and over again. If they don't get it right, you keep training until they get it right. And, and how many know that a child will get irritated if you keep it up? I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to do that no more. That's the way some people are. They, they don't want to know. And so they don't want to. But you got to tell. But you got to keep telling them over and over again. Keep doing it. I, I heard Brent say, I tell Taj, did you use toothpaste? Well, that's what I, he got that from me. Because I had to teach him. He'd come out and he go, did you brush your teeth? Yes. Toothpaste. Did you use toothpaste? Oh, man. And he'd have to go back in his room and use toothpaste. I took a shower. Did you use soap? <clears throat> well, go back in there and use some soap. Well, now, and then now he had to learn because he's doing that with Taj. Not now, but I, I don't think it's now. But, but he did. Uh, but, but he did. And, and he would do that. And, and, and so, uh, and so but the same thing he's doing with Taj, I have to do with him and, and, and help him. And I, I had to work it out with him. And so this, these were just things you have to work. And it would irritate and frustrate. And, uh, and, and so, uh, the, and, and it wasn't like it was an exciting thing to do, to, to correct and to teach. And, and, and I recall that one time he was given by, by a relative uh, uh, a pocket knife. And he accidentally took the pocket knife to school. I told him, 
give it back and, and get rid of it. You can't have a pocket knife. You see, you, you got to know there's a difference between Joel and Brent, and uh, with especially with sharp objects and things like that. There was a big difference. When I bought Brent a BB gun, Joel got so upset. And everything I bought him, he threw on the ground. Stood up and just said, how dare you buy him a BB gun? You know I'm the first one he's going to shoot. I'm the target. How could you do this? You know him. You're going to turn your back. Bam, I'm going to get hit. You know that's what's going to happen. And he walked away, went into his room. (coughs) They were totally different. So I told him, you can't have that pocket knife. Give it back. We went, Joanne and I, went uh, to go minister in Guatemala uh, with uh, Jim Zirko at that time, who was now in heaven. And so we were, and I get, and I called home, and my brother and my sister-in-law were watching them at our home. They stayed at our home to watch them. And Brent, I could hear him in the background. Is that my dad? Let me talk to him. Let me talk to him. Let me talk to him. He got on the phone. He goes, hi, dad. How you doing? I'm great. And he goes, I got in trouble today, and I got expelled. And I accidentally took the knife to school. I didn't mean to. I took it out of my pocket. And, and I took it out of my pocket. Somebody saw it. I put it back in. And they, they expelled me for three days. Suspended. Suspended. You couldn't go to school for three days. You were expelled. And so Nick called it suspended. Nick called it suspended. You were, expelled, I mean, you can't go back. But suspended. Okay. Suspended. But then he says, but I've already disciplined myself. I'm not going to watch TV for a month. I'm not going to go outside with my friends for a month. And I'm going to wash all my clothes and do all the dishes and mop the floor. And I make my bed. And I'm going to do all these things. I've already disciplined. So when you come home, you don't need to discipline me. Now, I wanted to laugh on the other end that he (laughs) self-imposed all this. I wanted to laugh, but I couldn't laugh. I said, well, we'll deal with it when we get home. Now, what I did do, the moment I hung up, time difference... I called the school, talked to the principal. And they go, you didn't need to call, sir. And they go, Mr. Aragon, you and Joanne, we, we know you. And we know that it was an accident. Nothing was, I go, no, that was my son, and he did that. When I come home, we will have a meeting. It's not necessary. It is to me. He needs to know there's consequences. He needs to know this. Now, the, why am I telling you all this based on this verse? Because he needs, because we need pastors. What he needed would to know, his father cares. You need to know that your pastor cares, and you need to know that no matter where I'm at, this is my assignment. He needed to know no matter where I was at, I'm always a father, and this is what a father does. You don't let it go. You can't even if you impose your own punishment on yourself. He didn't impose that punishment on himself to get himself clear before God. He didn't want to be spanked when I got home and disciplined when I got home. So he dealt with all that. Now, he didn't get spanked. I didn't. I sat down with him. I thanked him for repenting and telling me what went on. But I had to come home and do that. Why? Because we wanted to keep endeavoring to keep the unity, perfecting of my son or the perfecting of the saints for what? The work of his life or the work of the ministry. My son is my ministry. That's what my sons are. They're my ministry. When you're a parent, your children are your ministry. Are you understanding me? That doesn't make you a full-time minister. You, you just can't, you can't have a child and say, I hand them over to God. No, no, no. God said, you had them. They're your children. 
All eight of them? All eight of them are yours. If you had six, if you had four, if you had one, doesn't matter. You are the one who had your child. You can't turn them over to God. Now, when they get old enough, all you, then, then, Father, in Jesus' name, I just, I just uh, speak the word over them, speak the blood over them. But when they're children, no, 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 you can't do that. No, you can't do that. You know that you can't. So the perfecting of the saints. So, so there's a there's a a strengthening and an increase that produces uh, a production or productivity, I should say, in each other's life. Let me say that again. There's a strengthening that comes when you have a pastor. There's a strengthening when you're a friend. There's a strengthening when you're a parent. This is the proper relationship. And, and when? Till we all come in the unity. So that's going to go on till we all come in the unity of the faith. So, so, this, there, there, so it's a strengthening. And there's an increase that takes place. There's an increase. On my life, there's an increase. And, and there would be an increase on my children. There'd be an increase uh, on my wife, on myself, on those around us. There'd be an increase in the church. And, and my goal, goal is for us to all increase. My whole goal is for all of us to increase. I am in no, no, nowhere where I want to be. But I thank God where I'm at. In my spirituality, in my increase, in my prosperity. I thank God where I'm at. I thank God for where I'm at. However, I'm not where I want to be. And so I know there's more. So there's always room for growth. There's always room for growth. So I want to increase. I want to be able to do more, accomplish more. So, uh, and then uh, uh, John seventeen twenty one. let me close it down here. Uh, I spent my whole time on this, and this was only, this is only the introduction. So, um, isn't that interesting? Uh, John chapter 17, uh, powerful uh, verse of, of scripture here. I believe you've been in, 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 uh, getting something out of this. John chapter 17. Let's look at this. Um, um, uh, let's look at um, uh, let's look at verse 19, um, and and it says this in John chapter 17, verse verse 19. It says, "Now when Jesus knew that they were desirous to ask him, and he said to them, Do you inquire among yourselves of of that I uh, that I said?" And a little while, and you shall not see me. And again, a little while, and you shall see me. Verily I say unto you, uh, this is where I wanted you to go, in these verses of Scripture. Verily I say unto you, that you shall weep and lament, but the world, but the world shall rejoice, and you shall be sorrowful. But your sorrow shall be turned to joy. A woman, when she is in travail, hath sorrow, because her hour is come. But as soon as she's delivered of the child... She remembers no more the anguish for the joy that a man is born into the world. Or in other words, child, a man-child born into the world. And you know, therefore, you, you now, there, there, and you now, therefore, have sorrow. But I, but I will see you again. And your heart shall rejoice, and your, and your joy no man taketh from you. Now, in, in that's chapter 16. Now, in verse 17, we read this. I apologize. I meant to say John chapter 16 and then to go over 17 because I wanted you to see this. And then he said this in verse 14. I've given them the word and the world hath hated them. There's where the anguish is. 
the pain. You're going to run into situations. Listen, you're going to work with a lot of unbelievers. And you're going to work with people that don't know your God, love your God. And uh, they know you're a Christian. They don't want your Bible on the desk. They don't want to hear you read scriptures. We're getting, it's getting worse and worse today. The world, uh, the world is rejoicing over your travail. But Jesus said, the day's coming where you're going to see me. Here's the key. If you and your friends don't see Jesus in scripture, in your confession, in your lifestyle, then you'll live in travail. You'll live in pain. You'll live like outcasts. See, a lot, there's a lot of Christians that, that they have, you, you know, uh, let, me, let me make this statement. Um, a, a religion and religious people and people that hold to dogmatic traditions that are against people and against the world. And they'll, you look at somebody at the world and yell across the street, you're going to hell. Instead of, come with me, we're going to heaven. Amen? But in order for you to do that, you've got to act like you're going. <laughs> and you've got to know where you're going. There's nothing not the worse than getting in a car. Where are you going? I don't know. You don't know. You're just going for a ride. We used to call that joyriding, but nobody knew where they were going. And in most cases, our joyrides ended up being pulled over by police. Because you were always goofing off and swerving and doing stuff. Now, let me say this to you. Um, it may sound gross, but listen close. Um, 10, 11, 12 dead people does not make a team. It doesn't make a team. They can, you can put them in soccer outfits, baseball outfits, football gear, but if they're dead, they can't play. They're not a team. So why, if you're alive... Would you want to associate with somebody who's dead and be, make them be a part of your team? Now, reach them, but they can't play on the t- field. They're dead. There's some people that make comments. I have more friends in the world than I do in the church. Well, something's wrong with you. Because if your friends are dead, guess what that makes you? Half dead. They may be zombies, but you've been bit. And, and in, in movies, it takes a little while for you to turn into <laughs> before you go full. And the place you act up is in the body of Christ because you look at your friends in the world and you say, they're so full of life and so full of fun. And then we go to the church and it is true. There's a lot of people full of religion, full of tradition, and they have no joy. We're supposed to have joy unspeakable, full of glory. I'm happy uh, because Jesus is Lord. It's almost like the song that the, the elf made up. Uh, say, I love you, uh, you're my dad, and I love you. And that's how we do praise and worship. I worship you because uh, you told me to. I want to go to heaven. I love you. Uh, here's my tithe, and here's a side of my. I pray in tongues. And, and, we do, and we do, instead of this vibrancy that when we walk in, there's this step. One of the, one of the things Joanne brought out the other day was about Dr. Summerall. And, and, and we did know him. We had the privilege of knowing him. But he, you couldn't keep up with the man. 
I mean, I mean, physically, he'd walk so fast, the older he got, the faster he walked. And he would just, he had to, he, he, he moved on purpose. He moved on purpose. Do you know that in his garage, he had a, he'd pull in, and then on the other end, there was a door that opened up because he hated going in reverse? And he'd make the statement, I hate, I hate the fact that cars have reverse. Why go backwards? In any part of life. <clears throat> so I fell in love with uh, one of our members, Manuel Silva, who's now in heaven. And, uh, and I, told, I told him that. I said, Dr. Summerall does not like going in reverse at all. <clears throat> so when he remembered that. So he parked his car so that he could move forward. And a big truck came and parked in front of him. He couldn't move forward. Dr. Summerall gets in the car with his wife. And they're in the car. And he's now looking at this truck. And I can't go forward. What do I do? So what does Manuel do? Start the car, go up the curb, go around the truck. Oh, he's driving on the sidewalk now. <clears throat> Comes down and makes a turn on a one-way street. Now he can't back up, so he's thinking, forget it, I'm going straight. So he went down and Lester Summerall leaning in the front, back like this, and his wife goes, uh, son, excuse me, son, excuse me, young man, young man, young man. And Dr. Summer, leave him alone. I want to see what he does. <laughs> and and so, so Daniel drove down that one-way street, drove around, brought him to the convention center. They got out of the car. He looked at him and goes, what's your name? Because Daniel said he thought he's in trouble big time. <coughs> he goes, who's your pastor? Pastor Ardaragon. Is he here? Yes, we're running the mystery house. Take me to him now. So they walk over. And they stood there and he goes, is this your man? Yeah. Does he work for you? Yes, he does. Full time. You pay him? Yes. All right. I like how he drives. <laughs> so I'm going to be here for two weeks. He is now my full time driver and you will pay him. Not me. You will pay him. You understand? And you will pay for his hotel rooms, too. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> and Daniel's back going, I don't know what <laughs> But that was Dr. Summerall. He, was a char- he would charge you. I mean, he would command you. And, and you know, nobody said no. He, first time I ever met him, he scared me. Norval Hayes is talking. You know how, Brother Norval Hayes, if you don't know Norval Hayes, with, with the Lord, my brother. And the Lord said... And then all of a sudden here, thus saith the Lord. And I look up and this Dr. Lester Summerall on the platform. And he's prophesying. I'm telling you by the power of all my... And he's shaking. And Norval's just sitting there going, hmm. I never met this man. I, I, I got, what is all this? Until I met the man and got to meet him. And, oh, man. And then uh, they said, if you, you could have him speak at your church if you, have, if you have enough courage. Oh, we did. And, and we had him several times and what an honor but see you have to have friends like that you have, to, you have to have friends like that you have to have friends that will talk to you and share things with you uh, yeah I remember Dr. Barkley was flying over California in his plane and, he, and, and you know you know, when you're in the air like that the people tell you you got to turn your phones off not really true but they make you do it anyway but when you have your own private plane you don't have to turn your phones off you don't have to do it in airlines either. it doesn't affect it at all if it is, how delicate is the plane? Uh, but anyway, um, uh, Dr. Dr. Barkley, uh, I called Dr. Barkley. He answers. He's flying over California. I said, hey, Dr. Barkley. And 
he had just dealt with some issues, four different cases that morning. He's in the plane. All he says to me, Dr. Aragon? That's what you always call me, Dr. Aragon. And he goes, if you're about ready to tell me you cheated on your wife, I am going to land this plane, drive to your house, take your, your butter knife, castrate you, get back on my plane, and I'm flying home. I said, no, sir. No, sir. No, sir. He goes, well, good. Good. He goes, what do you need? Well, now I don't know if I should talk to you. But see, most people aren't willing to be talked to straight or commanded to live straight. They want friends that stroke them and pet them all under the disguise of love. You masquerade it. Real love corrects. Real love corrects. Not all the time. And real love does not look for faults. Matter of fact, love covers a multitude of sin. But when you need to correct something, real love does that. It will deal with it. And then, on the other end, you've got to be mature enough to say, you're right, I apologize. I repent of that. Instead of looking for a way to, yeah, but. If you have to use the word but in it, get your butt out of the way and just repent. If you were encouraged by today's message and believe it would be uplifting to others, then be sure to rate us and hit subscribe. To experience more of Heritage, visit us at www.heritageff.org. Again, thank you for listening to the Heritage Podcast today. And remember, Jesus is Lord.